Well, happy uh, Palm Sunday. This is the day that <laughs> this is the day that we that Christians for many years have have really uh, celebrated the the entry of Jesus into. Uh, Jerusalem, which was the week before he went to the cross, uh, the week before he died and was buried and risen to new life, uh, preparing ourselves for Easter. I can't think of really a, a better thing to talk about in preparing ourselves uh, for that day than, than to talk about uh, uh, baptism. Baptism, I, I don't want us to have small thoughts about baptism. It's not some empty uh, ritual, but it has very significant meaning. I want us to have big thoughts because it's connected to uh, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so we're going to talk about uh, that today. Next week, we'll get into the, the really the second part of what Alex read. But today, I want to talk a little bit about baptism. It's been a while since we've addressed this subject. It's actually, it's about a year and a half ago. And according to our last survey, about 50% of us are new uh, over the last year and a half. So I don't want to assume anything. And so maybe you've never really been introduced to baptism or don't know what it is, or you've got kind of some, confu- some different thoughts, or maybe just might just be helpful for you to equip and help someone else, a friend, a relative, or whatever, your child. Uh, but because without explanation, I mean, let's be honest, baptisms are kind of strange. I mean, you, dunking someone in the, you know, underwater, we're going to do that today, Kelsey. is getting baptized today. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a, do you guys have anything else to say besides woo? I mean, can you like, yay or, yeah, okay. Um, it's kind of a strange, I mean, baptism is kind of a strange thing, you know. And uh, in fact, I have, there's one guy who was, uh, well, one baptism Sunday, uh, that came in and, and he was like, wow, cool, this is a cool church. You guys got a hot tub. And I was like, <laughs> a hot tub? And uh, he's, like, he's like, yeah, you know, it's like with your lights and sound system and video. I mean, you got to have a really cool party. And I was like, well, okay. So we didn't really uh, know what was going on there, which is okay, which is a big reason why we um, uh, exists is, you know, to have new people with us and to help them, to introduce them to Jesus. And so I, today I just want to talk a little bit about baptism because it came up in our uh, passage today. So what is baptism? Well, verse 12, it says, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And we are in this section in Colossians, like this in him section, this section uh, that is all about who we are in Jesus and baptism is all about Jesus. Baptism makes no sense actually apart from Jesus. Uh, baptism without Jesus is getting wet. So there's no, uh, there, is not, there is no meaning outside of Jesus. So we need to know about Jesus. So who is Jesus? Jesus is um, God who came down to earth as a man born like us, needed food and water like us, went through puberty like us, found it difficult to pay the bills like us. Uh, he was like us in every way except that he didn't sin. He was perfect, which made him the absolute um, ideal candidate. In fact, the only candidate uh, to be our uh, atonement or our sacrifice uh, for sin. The Bible says that we have all sinned, that we've all gone our own way, every single one of us. It's not just this crowd or that crowd. It's all of us have gone our own way. And Jesus came and he died in our place. He willingly uh, died in our place. And uh, we who uh, have trusted in Jesus, if you're here today and you've trusted in Jesus, our sin is no longer counted against us and his life becomes our life. And though we may physically die one day, we too will rise just as Jesus has risen. And so when, we, when Jesus gave baptism to us, both as a command and a gift to help demonstrate to us um, 
our union with Christ. Just as Jesus, as we'll celebrate next week, just as he died and he went into the grave and then he rose to new life, baptism is like, yes, we, we, we may die. We have died to our old life and we're buried, uh, being, uh, old life is buried and now we're risen to new life. And so when we baptize them, we're saying, yes, Jesus died for them. Yes, Jesus was buried for them. Yes, Jesus rose for them. And the life that Jesus have, they have. And the relationship with the Father Jesus has, they have. And the inheritance that Jesus has, they now have. And like a communion, baptism is a uh, sacrament or an ordinance given that shows us what the gospel is. We, we speak what the gospel is, you know, preaching, teaching, or, you know, you're just telling your story with a friend. We can speak the gospel, but we, we can show the gospel with baptism. So baptism is this outward expression. It's this dramatization of an inward uh, reality that our old life ha- is dead. That's part of it. That's what Paul says here in verse 11. He uses this analogy of a circumcision to, to, to describe how God has cut away this old life, how he's, he's pushed aside our old self when he says that in him we were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So Paul's saying um, that Jesus has cut away the old rebellious uh, self. And when someone gets baptized, they're saying, yeah, that happened to me. I used to live for sin, but Jesus has done something in my heart. He's cut away this unbelieving part of me. And that's what Jesus does. He puts to death our old life. And so what do you do when, you know, something dies? Well, you bury it. There's a funeral. When a body's dead, you, you, you bury it. And, and that's kind of what baptism is. Baptism is a funeral. Um, so when, we, when someone comes and we baptize them, we plunge them under the water, signifying we've, you know, buried, you know, their old life is buried. And then we, well, we do bring them back up. Um, you know, <laughs> otherwise that, that wouldn't be a sacrament. That would be a crime. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't point you to Jesus, but it may point me to jail. But we, uh, but you're drama. So you bring them back up. And when you bring them back up, you're dramatizing that, that, that you've risen to new life. The old life is gone and it's buried. There's now no condemnation in Christ. The old life has nothing to do with it. You don't have to wonder. It's like, okay, am I good enough today? Or, you know, have a good day, bad day? Am I saved? Am I still saved? No, no. It, the old life, the one that was dominated by sin, lived for sin, is gone. It's cut off. It has nothing to do with you. It doesn't mean that you don't sin, but it's not counted against you. So baptism isn't some empty ritual, but it points to this greater uh, reality. There's a couple of years ago, this businessman came up to me actually called me on the phone. He was all freaked out about what happened to him and, and, and really God had met with him and it was really, it was a salvation. But he was explaining it to me. I said, just tell me what happened to you. He's like, well, I believe, it just feels like my, my unbelieving self died and, and I want to believe. And that's what happens in salvation is God comes in and he changes your heart and, and the old life dies. And so baptism is a, is a dramatization of that reality. Uh, and it's a big deal. And there's a couple analogies that have really helped me as it relates to baptism and faith. Because baptism, uh, some cults basically say that baptism saves you. It doesn't save you. You know, you've seen Nacho Libre, you know, he you know, baptizes them, like, you know, wants them to be saved. But it doesn't, that doesn't save you. Um, baptize, uh, to be baptized demonstrates or it's an expression of the faith that you are, already have. And so like if you are, you know, you can go down to the army surplus store and you can get, um, you know, some camouflage or whatever, but that doesn't make you a part of the army. You have to, you enlist and now you're a part of the army. 
then you put on the uniform to demonstrate that you are a part of the army. Or, or I have this um, Cardinals jersey. I mean, this is like pretty official jersey here. Now, if I, if I was to wear this, this does not make me a cardinal. You know, I can't turn two. I can't hit it up the middle. You know, I can't, do, I can't hit a curveball. I can't do that. But I can wear this jersey. By the way, I always get the jerseys of the guys they trade. They, <laughs> like, like every jersey I've ever bought, it, they end up trading the guy. And so now I'm afraid to buy a new one because... You know, I don't know. They may get traded. Now, there may be some players that we may want traded, but that's another story. But anyway, so th th there's that. Or uh, the wedding ring. You know, so this wedding ring, you know, they don't say this anymore. I do lots of weddings. We don't say this anymore. But they used to say things like, with this ring, I thee wed. And what, what they were saying, they weren't saying that this ring, like, has the power to marry someone. Like, you're married if you put this on. Like, if, if, if you're single here and you were to grab this ring and put it on, you wouldn't auto automatically be married. That doesn't, doesn't make you married. But what happens is it's, it's the covenant that I've made. This is, the covenant that I made to Rachel was, was what made me married. And then very quickly after, we put on the ring to signify that I'm on Team Rachel. And then when you are, when you get baptized, when you, when you come to Jesus, we want to baptize you to, to show that you're on Team Jesus now. And that's what it is. Faith unites us to Christ. Baptism is an outward demonstration that you are in Team Jesus now. Just like the wedding ring. The wedding ring doesn't make me married, but it is a symbol. It's pointing to a relationship. It is a sign. It's a, it's a sign that points to an inward reality. So that is what baptism is. Why should you get baptism? Well, I mean, quite simply, uh, just the joy and peace of knowing that you're obeying Jesus. Um, it's a gift and it's also a command. Jesus said before he left to, to go into all the world and to, and to baptize, to make disciples and then uh, to baptize. And just like any act of obedience, it comes with a blessing. I'm reading through Deuteronomy right now, uh, which is um, one of the first five books of the Bible. And all throughout that, it's like, hey, you know, if you obey Jesus, you know, it'll, it'll go well with you. And there is, there is a blessing that comes with uh, obeying Jesus, and baptism is one of them. Uh, one of them. I, every time that someone is get, um, gets baptized, you always experience, man, there's this, like this encouragement that comes. There's always this trepidation. I've had hundreds of conversations with people uh, about baptism, and all the ones that are kind of nervous to do it. No one ever comes up to me and like punches me in the face and says, why'd you make me do that? They're always like, man, that was a, thank you for leading me into that step of obedience. There's, there's joy and there's blessing that comes with that. Um, and so we go into, we, we, we make disciples. So Jesus commanded to go and make disciples, to baptize them and to mature them. And the disciples continued his practice. In Acts 2.32, it says that they, 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 preached, they preached people to repent. They told people to repent and then to be uh, baptized. And some of us here today, perhaps, you, you would call yourself a Christian, but you've never been baptized. And I want to encourage you to, to be baptized, to, to obey Jesus in this. It's, it's a good thing to do that. Uh, the two most popular things that I hear, one is, well, I'm shy. You know, there's lots of people and da da da, da I'm shy. Other ones is like, well, I don't want to disappoint my family. If I get baptized, I may, you know, I'm, I want to keep my family happy. And keeping your family happy is a good thing. Try to honor your family. Try to honor your parents. That's a good thing to do that. Uh, nothing wrong with being shy, except if it keeps you from obeying Jesus. So it's, it, and, and you won't, it's a good thing. For 2,000 years, Christians, all kinds of Christians, all kinds of denominations, everyone is always, baptism is one thing that we can all agree on, that we should all um, get baptized. So that is what it is, uh, why it is, and then how should it be done? Two things, with lots of water and lots of people. 
lots of water, lots of people. Uh, lots of, the, the, the way we baptize people is through immersion. There's several reasons for that. First of all, uh, the, the word um, baptize in the Greek, baptizo, means to immerse or to plunge or to dip. And in fact, in that time period, uh, when a ship would sink, they would say it got baptized. It, it was plunged under. And uh, John the Baptist, you know, his name's called John the Baptist, um, you know, the, bapt- the one who baptizes. Uh, I think it's the Dutch translation of the Bible that says John the Dipper. And uh, so, you know, you got the Big Dipper, Little Dipper, and you got John the Dipper. And so you've got, so it's this idea, though, of plunging. So when the New Testament writers had... Uh, when they were trying to think of a word to explain this, they had going under in mind. They had being uh, submerged in mind. um, The other thing is that none of the instances, none of the instances um, talk about anything other than uh, immersion. Uh, In John 3, I think we have this on on the screen for us here. It says, John, that is John the Baptist, was also baptizing in Aon near Selim because there was much water there. You need a lot of water if you're baptizing. You don't if there's, if you're, pouring or um, sprinkling. When, uh, in Acts 8.38, uh, the encounter of Philip uh, and the Ethiopian eunuch, went, it says that he went down in the water and baptized them. Jesus was baptized. Mark 1, it says that he came up out of the water. If you come up out of the water, that means you have to have what? You have to go in the water. So Jesus was immersed, and so we immerse others. Um, you know, if you're, if you're not sure what to do, um, our motto is do what Jesus did. Pretty simple, right? Except if you're a theologian, then you make it complicated. But we, number three, perhaps the most important reason to baptize, uh, I think, by immersion. I mean, I, of course, what the, it's the example we have in, in, in scripture and it's the meaning of the word. But also when you think about what baptism is, baptism is a, is a demonstration, is a, a dramatization. It is a sign that points to something. And if you're, uh, for those in marketing and advertising, they'll say, if, you, if you're gonna make a sign, you, wanna, you don't wanna make a, a small one. You wanna make a, the biggest and the brightest and the, and the most obvious one you can. And when you talk about what has happened to you, well, what's happened to you isn't that you, were, you had a little bit of sin on you that you need to be rubbed off, but what you needed is you needed to be uh, uh, plunged, you needed to be engulfed by the grace of God, that you were, uh, you were um, dead in sin um, and your old life has died, it's been buried, and now you've risen to life. And just immersion captures that reality because that's what baptism is. Baptism is a sign that points to something and uh, it carries that imagery. So we do that. It doesn't mean, I, we're, none of us, we're not saying that sprinkling is wrong. I don't think it's wrong to sprinkle. I don't think it's a bad thing to do that. I don't think it makes baptism invalid at all. But I do think uh, immersion uh, if given the choice, is better uh, because it seems to be the clear pattern of Scripture. It's what the word means. And because it carries the imagery, which is the purpose of baptism in the first place. So lots of water, lots of people. When John the Baptist, John the Baptist baptized people, it was the crowds around. In the New Testament, you read about people coming uh, to faith, except the Ethiopian eunuch was just, you know, there was lots of people around. It's always great to have lots of people around because it is an expression of the gospel. It doesn't just, it, 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 you know, we speak the gospel, but this shows what the gospel is. And this can be an encouraging thing for those who, who already believe and say, yes, that's what it's about. We love Jesus. We're for Jesus. We're for people. We're for people meeting Jesus. And someone just met Jesus. And now we get to see again the fact that what's happening to 
to them, that it is a reality, that they have died to their old life, that, that has been buried and it, their sin is not counted against them. And now they have risen into, to new life. And that is an encouraged thing. When we baptize Kelsey um, um, uh, later on uh, today, uh, it won't be just this section over here being excited. We're all going to be excited. We're all going to be celebrating this because it's an amazing reality. It's also a demonstration for those who aren't Christians. We've had people come to Jesus because maybe they've heard the gospel before, but it wasn't until they saw this picture that they're like, yeah, that's, wow, you know, okay, I've, I've heard about what Jesus did, but now this makes more sense to me. So lots of people around uh, is a good thing. So uh, that is what, that is why, that is how, and then finally, who uh, should get baptized. Now, this is where it gets interesting and a little challenging. There are two major views um, around baptism in terms of who should get baptized. Uh, they're broken up in two different groups that theologians call uh, paedo-baptists and credo-baptists. And I know I'm going to give you a headache, but just bear with me for a second. The, the paedo in Latin means uh, infant or child. So paedo-baptism is baptism of infants. Credo means be I believe. And credo, so credo-baptism is what's called believer's baptism. And um, uh, paedo-baptism is, is people are baptized uh, independent of faith or an expression of faith. And credo baptism is uh, you baptize people when, as you see an expression of faith. So if someone repents and says, hey, I believe in Jesus, you baptize them. But you don't do it before that, you do it after that. And Jubilee, we, we are credo baptists, which means that we baptize those who have expressed a belief uh, in Jesus and not before that. So not an infant or, or before someone becomes a Christian, we, we baptize afterwards. And there's lots of reasons for that. Uh, first of all, the Bible, again, just seems clear with that, clear on that subject. Um, I'm not saying that those who believe in infant baptism uh, don't love the Bible. In fact, many of them love, love the scriptures and are very faithful to them. Uh, but what we see uh, is that the pattern is there's an order to it. There's a repent and then be baptized. In, Acts, in the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the four gospels, and Acts. If you read that, it's a history of the early church. There's 27 times where it says something like repent and be baptized, believe the word and be baptized. And they heard the word and then they were baptized. And so there's an order to it. Even when you look at um, Jesus and his great commission, this is like this final thing he's saying. Okay, this is, I'm gonna get really simple to it. I'm gonna make it very basic. Here's what I want you to do. In your going, when you go out into all the world, wherever you're going, you know, in your schools, in your neighborhoods, and wherever, wherever that you would go, here's one thing I want you to do. I want you to make disciples. And then he adds two things to it. I want you to make disciples and I want you to baptize them and then I want you to mature them. Baptize them, excuse me, uh, make them, baptize them, mature them. Make them, mark them, mature them. You, and the order is important. You don't mark someone as something before they're made and you don't need to mature them before they're marked. So if, you, if, you're, if you've become a Christian, whether it was 10 years ago or 10 seconds ago, hey, you're part of Team Jesus. You can be marked as such. You don't need to go through a bunch of classes. You don't need to be, you don't need to regurgitate a bunch of doctrine before you can, that's the maturing process. And we're big on that too. We, we, we want to help people find the Bible, find prayer, find each other, grow in their relationship with Christ to be matured in Christ. But the mark, you don't need to, to know things other than to know that you're with Jesus now. Because that's what baptism is. Baptism is saying, I am with Jesus now. What do you need to know? You just need to know that you're with Jesus. When I mentioned this story of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8.38 where um, the, the Ethiopian eunuch, he says, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip says, nothing except that you believe. 
So if you, he, he said, okay, I believe. And then he was baptized. So if you believe, nothing should, if you believe in Jesus, nothing should prevent you from being baptized. Except if you don't believe. If you don't believe, we won't baptize you. Just as Philip says, if you, if you don't believe, I'm not gonna baptize you. But if you do believe, I will. So we don't baptize babies because we don't know if there's faith. Now I had someone come to me and say, hey, well, maybe the baby, maybe a baby does have faith. I'm like, well, maybe, the, and, I, and I believe, well, I don't know, maybe he does. Maybe God uh, does, it, and I believe God could do that. But I don't know that he could do that. Um, and so I don't want to mark someone as having faith if I, if I don't know. It's just like, I, I could say like, you know, there's a Starbucks two miles that way. And there very well could be. In fact, I'd be surprised if there wasn't. Um, if, you know, eventually anyway. And, uh, but, I, but I'm not going to put a sign somewhere based upon a possibility of something being true. Otherwise, it'll be confusing. I could put a sign that says two miles here. You can go two miles and find out there's no Starbucks. You're already under caffeinated, and now you're really angry because there's no Starbucks. And so <laughs> that could cause lots of problems. And here's the truth. I, there are thousands, if not millions of people who have been confused and led astray because when you ask them about hey, are you a Christian? Do you know if you're a Christian or not? And they'll say, yeah, they don't point to Jesus, they point to a baptism. Baptism is a sign that points to Jesus. This ring is a sign that points to my relationship with, G uh, with uh, Rachel. So the sign points to something. If there's, if there's nothing there, you don't um, point to it. Secondly, there's really no mention of infant baptism in the Bible. Now, some will point to the fact that there are it says, and whole households were, say, or were baptized. Uh, and so some have assumed, well, that means that there was babies in there, but that is what it is, an assumption. There, there are other places, uh, there's two instances of this, and one of the instances that you can read about in 1 Corinthians um, 16, it says that the whole house, yeah, the whole house was, uh, was converted, and they served the Lord. So however old they were, they were all old enough to serve the Lord. And so to, to make that assumption is, is a jump when you look at the, over, of all, the, the many more uh, other examples where it talks about baptism um, proceeding or coming after faith, excuse me. And um, we, we, this, this um, circumcision came up in this passage and it was connected to baptism. And um, many people will point to the fact that like, well, back in the Old Testament, you know, on the eighth day, uh, people were circumcised to, get, to, make, to mark them as being a part of the people of God. If you're unfamiliar with their Bible, the, the, the Jewish race was set apart by God as his people. And he gave them a sign, which was circumcision. He said, circumcise all your baby boys on the eighth day, and that will mark them as being a part of my people. And so baptism is given to uh, the new covenant of people, the New, the, the, the new Testament, um, as a sign for being membership in part of the, the community of God. And so people say, well, there's similarities here. So if they, if they circumcised babies back then, we should baptize babies now. But there's glaring, there are some glaring differences. First of all, uh, the, I took a vote among the Jubilee men, and we would much rather be baptized than circumcised. And so we had a circumcision Sunday once, and no one showed up. And so we... <laughs> Baptism Sunday was much more popular. So that's one reason. The second reason, though, is that in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, just trying to keep your attention. The, in the Old Testament, 
<laughs> what? What did he say? Uh, in the Old Testament, it was only given to males. There's one different. In the New Testament, it's men and women. doesn't matter who you are. But the biggest thing is that in the Old, in the old Testament, in the Old Covenant, to be a part of the, the family meant to be, you had to be born in the right group. You had to be a Jew. You had to have the right birth. You had to come from the right family. You were born into it physically. And so you were given a physical, uh, you know, you're giving an outward sign of, of this physical reality. And so babies, uh, infants, male babies anyway, were, were given the sign of circumcision. In, in the new covenant, we all know that it's not, you're, you're not born as a Christian. How many people in America are confused because they were born in to a, a Christian family, therefore they're Christian? Lots. We, Jesus says, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. So in the old covenant, it was about a physical birth. In the new covenant, it's about a spiritual birth. So what we have to do is we have to say, okay, they baptized um, physical infants. Now there is continuity here because we do baptize infants now. They're just spiritual infants. They just may be 10, 20, 30, 40 years old. So you, you get into the old covenant by being born in the right family, given, given the sign. You weren't circumcised before you were born. You're circumcised after you were born. We do the same. So the carryover is that we want to give the sign to those who are now spiritually reborn as soon as possible. We don't have to wait eight days. We can do it as soon as possible. So there's a shift that happens. And it's very important to get that because um, we need to understand that, that it's only Jesus who saves. So someone say, okay, what is the right age then? Well, I, I don't know. You have to, it's a case-by-case basis. We have three kids. Uh, Ella, she was baptized last year, eight years old. Uh, other son, Simon, he's seven. He has not been baptized yet. We think there's faith, but we don't want to, we don't want to, we don't want to, we want it to be 100% him. Uh, and maybe, maybe we're too cautious on that side, but because baptism doesn't save him, it's faith in Jesus that saves him. Um, you know, the thief on the cross says, I will be, uh, you know, Jesus, remember me in paradise. And Jesus said, yes. And he was not baptized. He was too busy being crucified. But he was in paradise. Baptism didn't save that guy. Jesus saved that guy. Jesus is the one who saves. And so we don't want to give our son false assurance. Uh, we, don't want him, we don't want him to point back to, why do, you why do you follow Jesus? Well, my parents made me get baptized. And maybe you're in the same situation. Maybe it was a, a pastor or a parent or a grandparent said, you know, hey, you know, if you don't get baptized, you go to hell. If you do get baptized, you'll get ice cream. So you like ice cream more than hell, so you got baptized. And, and it wasn't so much that you love Jesus, you just love ice cream. And so that's why you got baptized. So it's important, it's important that, um, that that's not what you point to. And, and I know... Um, and this is huge because we, we are, our thing here, Jude, we're for Jesus. <laughs> Sing that song today, Jesus, only Jesus. And Jesus is the one who saves. And, you know, some people want to baptize their babies, and it has more to do with superstition than what Jesus is going to do. And, and, and I can understand that because, you know, you're wanting assurance, you're wanting some kind of assurance that your child is going to be okay. 
I know what it's like to, to hold a baby or to even my kids today, to hold them, to think about them. And, and I want them, I want them to be safe. I want them to be protected. I want them to be loved. I want them to be, I want them to be with Jesus. But I have to also realize that, there's, that my salvation did not come from me. It says in Ephesians that uh, salvation comes by grace through faith so that no one can boast. N- there's no boasting in me. There's only boasting in Jesus. And it, it's not about going, it's not about church attendance. It's not about serving. It's not about giving. It's not about taking communion. It's not about ba- getting baptized. It's about Jesus. And we're looking for assurance outside of Jesus. But friends, there is no more assured place than placing your faith and your children in the hands of Jesus. And so we are saved by grace and that's it. Those other things are good works. I hope that when you do come to faith in Jesus that you will be baptized to point to your salvation, that you will receive communion to point to your salvation, that you will be a part of a church community to help you grow in the body of Christ, that you will serve to be like Jesus, that you'll give to be like Jesus, but it's Jesus who saves and no one else. I mean, I could want my kid to, to be, you know, play second base for the Cardinals and we got him a Jersey too. And uh, if from some weird thing that, you know, he beats all the statistical odds and he becomes a Cardinal one day, um, he's not going to say, hey, don't worry about it. I got my Jersey already. He what would make him a cardinal is being drafted by being listed. And then he gets the sign. He gets the outward sign that he's a part of the team now. This is just, this is just, this doesn't mean anything. This is just a jersey. This means I'm a fan. This doesn't mean I'm a part of the team. Because something hasn't happened. That is, I've not been drafted, picked, whatever. Jesus picks us. He chooses us. And by faith we respond. And then we get the jersey that says we're with Jesus now. Now we do dedicate kids here, which I think is helpful and important. It's not a biblical command, but we see that kind of pattern in scripture. We see in the Old Testament, Samuel being dedicated to God at a very young age. And we see that with Jesus, Jesus himself is dedicated to God. And that's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to do as parents to say, to recognize that everything's a gift from God, even this child. And this child is not mine primarily. This child is on loan from you, God. And I'm gonna do my best, but at the end of the day, I need your grace and mercy and so I'm going I'm to entrust this child back into you. And I'm going to do that in front of all of my church family because they're going to be a part of this with me to encourage me and love me as I raise this child. If you've not placed your faith in Jesus today, I think you should. And then next week, we'll give you the, the team jersey. We'll baptize you next week. Um, what should you do if you were baptized as an infant or as a non-Christian? Maybe it wasn't your decision. Maybe you were pressured. Maybe you were offered ice cream, whatever it was. Um, and you're like, well, what do I do now? I, I, I was, I was in a, it wasn't my decision. I, um, I was a baby or I was uh, a non-Christian as an adult or a young man, young woman, but I felt pressured and I never really had faith. What should you do? Well, in Acts 19, uh, you can read this one through five. Paul comes into this uh, town and he meets this um, group of Ephesian, the, the group of Ephesians and they were called disciples. And so Paul asked them whether or not they received the spirit when they believed. 
and, and they said no. And people, again, they looked for all kinds of outward signs to figure out, you know, if you are a Christian. So they, they want to, you know, have you take, you know, do you take communion? Have you been baptized? Have you, do you go to church? Do you serve? Do you give? Do you, do you help the poor? And you can do all of those things. You can go to church. You can serve regularly. You can give, you know, a percentage or all your money away. You can take communion. You can be baptized and still not be a Christian, still not be in Christ. The one solid piece of evidence is have, has the Holy Spirit taken residence in you? Paul asked him, had they received the Holy Spirit? In Romans 8, Paul says, uh, unless you've received this, you know, only those who receive the Spirit are sons of God. It says, whoever does not have the Spirit does not belong to Jesus. The Spirit is what makes you new. The Spirit is what gives you new desires. Otherwise, you're just going through the motions. I mean, it's just like that businessman. He just said, like, I, this isn't something I decided to do. It wasn't like I woke up one day and said, hey, I'm going to be a good person, so I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to take communion. No, it says, I woke up one day, and uh, the unbelieving side of my heart died. God did something. He, he cut something off. He cut this old life off, and now I believe. Now I believe. Unless the Holy Spirit has come in and regenerated you, has made your heart new. That's it. And so then he asked, okay, then who were you baptized in? So we've been talking about you're baptized in the Christ. You're buried with him. You, know, you died with him. You're buried with him. You rise with him. You're, you're baptized into Jesus. He says, who were you baptized into? Oh, I was baptized into John. Oh. Maybe some of us, you know, maybe we're baptized into a church or we're baptized into a, a denomination. But have you been baptized into Jesus, signifying of an inward reality that happened. So what happened here? So Paul says, well, you've not really heard about Jesus. So Paul tells them about Jesus. The light comes on, faith enters, and then he baptizes them. Now you could say, well, this, you know, he was, they were rebaptized. Well, that's true. Or you could say as well that they never actually were baptized in the first place. Baptism, what baptism is, is baptism is, is a outward demonstration of something that's happened to you on the inside. So we baptize those who express that faith. So what should you do? Well, I mean, I think that if you've not been baptized since coming to faith in Jesus, I think you should be baptized. If you were baptized in an infant, I think you should be rebaptized. Now, if you come here today and you have a, a conviction, it's like, well, no, Brian, I don't, I disagree with what you're saying and, and, I, and I am in good conscience about what I believe and I'm about this. Hey, this is not something that we want to break fellowship over. You know, welcome to Jubilee Church. Uh, this is what we see in scripture um, as being true. We don't wanna push you beyond your conscience, but we do think that this is what the Bible says. We would encourage you to do that, but we're not saying, hey, you know, we, you know this, we wanna break fellowship over this, but this is, this is, this is a way that we would leads you to go. And if you've been baptized, if you've become a Christian and, um, you know, you were baptized and then you kind of had a, 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 you know, you kind of backslid and now you're back in, you know, you're back excited about Jesus again, you don't need to get rebaptized. We believe you get, you know, baptized once. Um, you know, it's not like with my wife and I, every Tuesday we, you know, we get new rings, you know. I mean, maybe she would want that, but uh, she, we, you know, we have the same, I have the same ring. I lost it once or twice and found it, but it's the same one, the same ring. We, it's, you just need it one. You just need to get baptized. I need one ring. You need one baptism. 
to symbolize, to point to something that's already happened to you.